The Anton Savage Show Sunday. Brought to you by PwC. Combining talent and technology, we're hardwired to find solutions. On News Talk. I occasionally get to uh, present Ireland AM, and one morning that I was in there, one of the regulars on the show who is uh, one of the TV chefs is, of course, the man who was executive chef in the Radisson in uh, Athlone. And uh, I was chatting to him beforehand, and he said, with a great degree of frankness, well, you know I'm terminal. And I I was obviously hugely struck at the, the news, and I was also struck at the, the just the sheer frank clearness of how he described it. He's with us this morning. Joe Shannon, good morning. Good morning, Anton. Good morning to your listeners. And Anton, thank you so much for your kind invi- invite onto your beautiful show. Oh, it's, it is a pleasure to talk to you, Joe. It is, I'm sorry that it is in such a context, but I wanted to get sort of a sense of what the world is like when you've had a diagnosis like you've had. Now, take us back, first of all. You you got cancer, originally bowel cancer, back in 21 and thought you were clear. Isn't that yeah, right? Yeah, basically my story was we were into the second lockdown. I was um, working in Sligo. I'm the, the exec- at the time, I was the executive chef of the Radisson in Sligo. The, um, you know, it was lockdown. We were having a, a one. Remember, everything was all Zoom that time, Zoom meetings and stuff like that. And we were having a meeting about uh, how the upcoming opening in the upcoming June, this was March time, how we could create some unique selling points, stuff like that, how we could make our customers' experience better, that type of thing. And in the middle of this meeting, uh, I felt terrible pain, one thing and the other. Pain went on for two days. Uh, like every Irish man, I didn't want to go to a doctor. I, didn't, I thought it was wind that was going to pass away. But thankfully, Mary, my beautiful wife, uh, insisted on me going to the hospital. I went to the hospital. The reality was I was brought in more or less straight away for emergency surgery. There was a serious blockage between my large and small intestine uh, that was completely blocked. Uh, I literally was, wasn't far from death at that stage from a physicality point of view from the organs being blocked. Uh, the operation was uh, uh, under the fantastic Martin Cordwell. He had me under the, on the theatre table for seven hours. Uh, the operation was a great success. Um, he came to me literally the day after the operation and said, look at Joe, we took a tumour out of you. He said, subject to the lab confirming it, but he says, I, I know you long enough and I know you well enough to be able to tell you, I suspect it is cancerous. But we, we need to wait on the lab to, conf- to confirm that, but I've seen enough of them. And he said, but we'll deal with you getting better now, and then we'll deal with the, with the diagnosis from the lab when we get it. Two, three weeks went by. The lab came back. It was indeed cancer. It was stage three cancer of the bowel. Now, the reality at that stage was I was, had my uh, operation in Sligo University Hospital. Uh, but at that particular time, um, the oncologists uh, weren't available to me in Sligo due to covid reasons and a personal death uh, uh, with one of, with the second uh, oncologist. So I ended up going to a fantastic oncologist in Dublin called Professor John McCaffrey. And uh, he said, look, it, I've seen your charts. Uh, you have stage three cancer. We're going to flush you with 12 um, sessions of chemotherapy. But at the same time, in tandem, we're going to do a head-to-toe test of you just to be sure that there is no other, uh, that the cancer hasn't spread because there was a uh, it was in your bowel, but there were some of the lymph nodes were affected. So that started. I, had, I was into my second chemo. 
when they had realized, after doing all the tests that they had done, that the cancer had spread to my liver. Now, he rang me and he says, okay, uh, we need to suspend the chemo. We need you to, to uh, take a month off, and then we need to bring you back, and we need to do surgery on your liver, and we need to remove 20% of your liver and your gallbladder. And he says, you're now moved to a stage four cancer, but that's not the end of the world either. You know, you're a strong man. We will resume, we will do this operation. When you're fully healed from the operation, we will resume chemotherapy and we'll assess the situation. So we did that. I had the, the, the liver operation in uh, the Matter Private in Dublin. I had a lot of complications after the operation because I was hit with a lot of infections. Uh, I was given my last rites in that process uh, because the infections had really taken over my body, but came through all of that and uh, started back on my chemotherapy, finished the, the, the sessions of chemotherapy that I had, uh, at this stage, we're now at about March 2022. I met Professor McCaffrey after finishing the chemo and doing the relevant tests that's associated when you finish chemo. And he said to me, great news, Joe. He says, you, have, uh, you are now stage four cancer, NED, no evidence of disease. So he says, we're going to wait for six months, see how you are, and maybe we can maybe talk about you going back, taking some light duties on or something like that. And I said, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And there was all celebrations and all the rest of it. And then that summer, I wasn't feeling too good. Went back to Professor McCaffrey. He sent me for more tests and called me in. And he said, look at Joe, I'm awful sorry to say to you, but he said, it's like a million to one chance. But he said, your cancer has returned to your bowel in the exact same spot to where it was before. Now, he says, what we would like to do is we would like to do surgery, but because of all the infections you had after the liver operation, we are unable to do surgery, so we're going to hit you with six very strong uh, uh, sessions of chemotherapy with the hope that this will kill the cancer cells that are there. And I said, fair enough. So we had the six sessions of, of, the, uh, of the chemotherapy that finished last February, uh, he called me in and said, look at Joe, um, you know, we're very sorry to tell you that um, the tests that we have done, the six sessions didn't do what we wanted it to do, and we do not have a cure for you at this moment in time. Uh, what we have for you is that we can give you chemo for the rest of your days. Basically, you will have uh, six sessions of chemo. We will do tests, and pending on... The results, how affected those six sessions of chemo are, will determine the strength of the next six sessions of chemo, and this will go on for as long as you're on this planet. And I said to him, well, that's fair enough. And I said, if I decide not to do that, because that's a huge ask on the body, you know, what, what would happen to me? And he said, Joe, if you don't do that, you will be gone in six months. You will not be here. And he, I says, oh. And I says, then how long will I have if I do have the chemo? And he said, Joe, that really is down to your body. That is how well your body reacts to it. It could be one year. It could be five years. I'm not God. But, you know, it is all down to your body, how it reacts. And that's where we are, Anton. And, and, and I've, I'm now, at this moment in time, halfway through my third bout of those six sessions of chemotherapy. What does it do to you to get that news? Um, okay, and I, I'm going to be really, really honest with you, all right? Um, 
when I went up on that February, my my wife was with me, Mary, and my, my oldest daughter, Orla. Uh, we went in. I never prepared Orla or Mary that I was going to ask that type of a question of the oncologist. But, Anton, you've known me as long as you've known me, and I shoot from the hip, and I don't, you know, it's just the way I am, and I want to know the reality of the situation that I'm in. I asked the question. I was questioning myself. Was I imagining things inside my body? I, I, I was. I and mean, when he told me the diagnosis that he told me, in one sense, it was sort of a sense of relief that I wasn't imagining things in my body. And then there was a great sense of sadness. Uh, sadness that um, I felt guilty that I was throwing a massive challenge onto my wife and my family now, uh, having to deal with me. That you know, let's face facts. I'm 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 in I'm going I I'm in the middle of a disease that is going to kill me, um, and they are going to have to. I put a massive burden in my eyes on them um, by having this disease. And um, to be fair, that was the furthest thing for Mary or all his um, uh, ears. They were very upset for me. They were very upset at the the reality of you know this is going to take this man away from them, their their husband, their father. And, and I suppose these were the sort of feelings. And then I sort of rubbed myself down, and then I sort of said to myself, you know what, life is for living. I'm sort of lucky in one sense, because I've been given uh, a sort of a timeline, you know, not an exact timeline, but I've been given a timeline, and it's given me the opportunity to be able to maybe live my life as best I can for the timeline that I know that I have. And it's also made me very conscious that in the world we live in today, until something like this comes to you, your priorities do change an awful, an awful lot, an awful lot. Um, what were big problems to you before aren't big problems, really. Well, can I ask about that, Joe? Because since you told me that yeah. morning, I've thought, if I was in Joe's shoes and I got that diagnosis, what would I do? Would, would you suddenly start doing the bucket list of everything that you've always wanted to do or would you collapse and surrender under the, the sort of grief or do you cling to the small... Because mo- I, I thought it, it's going to radically change it but I couldn't predict how. So what did what has it done for you? What, what is yeah, now the priority? I, well, I think the first thing to say, everybody, everyone's reaction is their own reaction. And everyone is entitled to their own reaction. That's important to say. There is no right or no wrong in, in any of this, you know. For me, I want to help as many people as I can uh, with my sickness, if that makes sense. I have, uh, along with a great friend of mine, a, a, a man called Georgie Gorman, um, a man who is recovering from throat cancer himself, we have set up a, a, a Facebook blog page called The Recovery Tour, and on this page, we don't do it for money. We don't do it for, for, for favor. We do it so we can help people that maybe just after getting a diagnosis of cancer or a family member has got a diagnosis of cancer or might be very scared of, of, of the situation, they can go into this page and see two people, one with a terminal illness, one recovering, a singer-songwriter recovering from a throat cancer diagnosis, living their life as ordinary as possible, and it, and, and it gives great help. We get, we've got over a million views on, on, our, on, our, on our blog, and we've got messages from people from all parts of the world saying how much it has helped them. And that gives me great solace, knowing that I'm helping some people. 
we recently held a conference in Sligo, in the Radisson in Sligo, uh, Let's Talk About Cancer, because I don't think we talk about cancer uh, enough in this country. We don't talk about death enough in this country. I think men are very bad at going, we got better. I think men are very bad at going to get themselves checked out. I think I'd like, in whatever time I've left here, I'd like to maybe promote the idea of people going to their GPs, getting checkups done uh, on a regular basis, not, not because waiting for something to happen and it's a knee-jerk reaction, uh, that it becomes a, a, a sort of a, a yearly thing that people go to their doctors, do colonoscopies, do blood tests, do uh, testicular tests, do whatever it is they need to do, breast checks, whatever, that, that, that this is done as a norm. And, and by doing this as a norm, it may help people, uh, you know, it, it won't stop cancer, but it may help people get in, uh, in early. And the earlier you can get diagnosed, the better chance you have of survival. It's not the same case for every, you know, uh, in, in every case, but I think we could become better at that. I also think I was very lucky, um, Anton, in the sense that I had things that had prepared me for this subconsciously. I had things like insurance on my I had long-term illness insurance which has, you know, because let's face facts, when people get sick, like I do, and uh, like I have, um, I could be somebody who could be in the middle of a mortgage with young kids around me, a wife that maybe wasn't able to work because I had young kids, and then all of a sudden I get sick, and I go from earning a salary of whatever I was earning, and now all of a sudden I'm getting 220 euros a week. You can imagine the financial constraints that goes on to a family in that situation, and I think we need to deal better with things like that. You said, and, you said, you know, Joe, that the, the thing, you said we don't talk about cancer. You said we don't talk about death. Yeah. And we don't talk about death. I think, I think we're afraid, and I'm not afraid of death, Anton. Um, I, How I, can you not be? I, I'm not afraid that maybe it's my faith, maybe it's me. I think that God owes me nothing. I think I've been very, very lucky in the sense I'm 58 years of age. I've, I've said this before many, many times. I, I, I came from a fabulous parents. My mother and father were the best parents you could have ever, ever had in your life. Um, I've had the most, I have the most fantastic brother and three sisters. They are the most beautiful family. You know, I grew up in the most beautiful, idyllic family. We had our problems. We had whatever, but we always stuck together and sorted them out. I went on, met the most beautiful love of my life, and, and my wife, Mary, We've had three kids, I said, that are just the most amazing three kids that you could come across. I have two fabulous grandchildren. I, 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 I have traveled the world. I have a slot that is on television. I have, a, I have my own radio station with Georgie at the present moment on local radio. I'm living life to the full. What more could I want out of life? What more could I do in life? So I'm not scared of that. I think of what a lot of people is. There's three things in life, Anton, we're sure of. We fulfill one of them. We're, we were born. The second thing in life uh, is we're going to die. You have no choice in that. You are going to die. And the third thing is you're going to pay tax. You have no choice in any of those three things, all right? But the thing is, we, are, we don't talk about death because we're scared of death in a lot of cases. Or are we scared of how we're going to die? And I think that sometimes comes into the frame is, it's not, I think the reality is we all know we're going to die. I think it is how we're going to die that scares us the most. Have you thought about that? Yeah, and, 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 and I am a dying man. I, I am the, that, that is the reality of my situation. At this moment in life, I am dying, uh, albeit that I, I, don't, I don't fit into the guise of what 
you expect a dying person to be because I'm upright, I'm walking, I'm, I'm whatever. But the reality is this, 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 this disease inside of me is eating away at me all the time. But, you know, uh, I suppose I, I, I've just come to the frame of mind that I'm, I'm, I'm happy to fight it. You know, uh, uh, I, 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 I've, I've accepted the fact that I'm going to fight it, and I'm fighting it to, to prolong my life to help as much people but when my time comes, I will accept it with grace and, 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 and be thankful of the life that I've had. Um, a couple of months ago, myself and my friend Georgie uh, were messaged by a little six-year-old girl uh, in Crumlin Road Children's Hospital who said we inspired her by our videos, uh, little Emma Howe. And we went to see that little girl in the hospital. And she was the picture of bravery at six years of age, absolute picture of bravery, the most amazing family around her. She, we left that hospital today thinking, what have we given, given off about when we saw that little girl? And that little girl died a month later. Now, she didn't get the same chance I got. You know what I mean? So what do I have to give off about when you see a little girl like that taken away? Joe, I hope that it is um, long and healthy and happy for as long Thank as it so can much, be. Um, Thank if, you. If people want to see the, you talked about the Facebook page, you talked about the, the radio, where can they find you if they want to? So, yeah, so our Facebook is the Recovery Tour. It's on, it's on Facebook. And I also have a, a Monday to Friday show with Georgie Gorman on Ocean FM. And uh, it's, it's called Joe and Georgie Unplugged. And it's, it's a show that uh, gives inspiration to people. We don't, Georgie and I aren't medical people. We don't pretend to be medical people. But we are people that are living with cancer. So we try and give solace without giving, you know, we don't give out medical um, diagnosis or, or uh, give advice on anything medical or anything like that. We don't give advice on anything. We just live our lives. And that seems, the way we're living our lives and how we're doing it and recording it seems to be hitting uh, a, a sort of a, a, a wee thing with people uh, in similar situations of illness and that and seems to be helping them a bit. And that is a massive privilege for me to be given that I can help some people in life. And I, I think that's a huge privilege that anyone can be given in life. Joe, always a pleasure to talk to you. I hope the Thank next time Anton. it'll be sharing a Christmas pud recipe or something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Anton. And, and thank you uh, to all your listeners for all the support I have received every time I'm on, I'm on the news talk. Thank you so much. The Anton Savage Show. Brought to you by PwC. Sunday mornings from 10. On News Talk.